0: Good to have you here today. Uh, It's a three-day weekend, and that's kind of fun. So I think we have some people off visiting others. Uh, We got some people uh, here visiting us here. It's great. It's a a good weekend. It's good to have you here. A few announcements, and then we're going to do some singing, because that's just kind of how we roll. Um, uh, In your mailboxes, there's annual reports, financial reports. Uh, I would encourage you to check those out. Uh, coming up on the schedule, September 20th at 4 p.m. is FOSPA. And that is, <clears throat> if you know what it means, you're probably really excited about it. But it's just kind of a light lunch, kind of a chill supper. Yeah, I didn't grow up with FOSPA. I'm sorry. I feel like I just butchered this. Um, you should all come. It'll be a good time. There's food involved. I mean, what more do you need? Uh, 4 p.m. September on September. Um, also, the, I, most of you, I think, have probably heard this by now, but if you've not, uh, many of you knew Art Regeer, and uh, he has since passed away. Uh, we've since heard about um, uh, some services. There's going to be a, a memorial service next Tuesday, the 15th, at Metz in York, at Metz Mortuary. So uh, if you were wondering about that or, or hadn't heard that yet, uh, then we would, yeah, um, encourage you to, for that. So um, one other thing. Um, I'm going to pass around a sign-up sheet. Um, sometimes in the office, I'm going to start over here. Sometimes in the office, we get, people will come in and they say, Hey, can you notify people, ask people to pray for, isn't it awkward, like when I come down here and talk? (laughs) Even I feel weird. (laughs) Um, so people will, will write in or or they'll call in and and they'll say, um, hey, I have a prayer request. Can you send it out to your, kind of to your prayer team? And currently we really only have two options. We have the pastoral care team which is about half a dozen people, or we have the call them all which calls everyone. But we, we kind of like to reserve that for, for kind of some of the big stuff uh, or maybe some of the emergencies. And, and some of the stuff that comes in is just, you know, hey, you don't, not everyone needs to know about this, but if you have some kind of prayer chain, I would appreciate it, you know, if you would let them know. And so that is the sign-up sheet to say, hey, if you are interested in being on some kind of prayer chain and getting this kind of information— then let us know, and we'll, we'll, we'll put you on the list. We'll pro- we're going to put together kind of an email list. And uh, this is not, like, the way for you to get recent news or gossip. This is, hey, if something comes our way, I'm willing to sit down and spend several minutes just kind of praying about this, reading some scripture, kind of meditating on this, interceding for, for the situation for this person, um, for, for that kind of thing. And so that's what the clipboard is that's going around if, if you're interested in, in being a part of that, if you'd like to to get some of that notification. We, it doesn't happen a whole lot, but it, it does happen sometimes. And so um, we're just trying to create another, another venue of communication. So let's pray, and then let's sing. Heavenly Father, thank you for a good day. Uh, thank you for family. Thank you that so many families get to be together this weekend. Lord, we pray for the families who don't get to be together uh, this weekend that you would comfort them as well. God, we invite your presence here. We ask that your truth would be spoken. Uh, Lord, that we'd be able to enter into worship and praise and and thankfulness. God, you are a good and gracious and beautiful God. And, um, yeah, we love you. And we're so incredibly thankful uh, for who you are, uh, for your scripture, for your community, the church, and for the grace that you give us every single day. We love you, Lord. Amen.
1: As we prepare for worship this morning, I'd like to read Isaiah 61, verse 10. I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. I am like a bridegroom in his wedding suit or a bride with her jewels. I think the greatest pleasure we can experience in life is walking hand in hand with a Father who adores us. Would you just stand and join us as we take some time to worship and sing together? Joyful
2: joy. unfold like flowers before you opening to the sun above melt the clouds of sin and sadness drive the dark of doubt away giver of eternal gladness fill us with the light of day you are the one you are the one. Shouldn't of. you. are saved, find their way at the sound of your great name. All condemned, feel no shame at the sound.
1: That it's in your name that miracles happen. We are forgiven, we have strength, and we are healed. May we sing the new song
2: by love. We, we are, are reconciled, reconciled by love. And this is a new song we sing to the King of Heaven. This is the new song we live. After all you've given, we stand before you, redeemed. As your children So far away, are brought near by your blood.
0: The very Lord has been removed By your
2: grace we freely come. By your grace we freely come. And this is the new song we see to the King of Heaven. This is the new song we live. After all you've given, we stand before you, redeemed. As your children, this is the new song we sing. And we live in you, we live for you, we live to you, our King. We stand in you, we stand for you, we stand as your redeemed. We live in you, we live for you, we live to you, our King. We stand in you, we stand for you, we stand as your redeemed, your redeemed. And this is the new song we sing to the King of Heaven. This is the new song we live. After all you've given, We send before you, redeem as your children. In his beauty, is the, the king. king. Is
0: For um, prayer time, I uh, want to do something a little bit different. want to uh, spend some time praying for our, our teachers, our Sunday school teachers. One of the things that was a, uh, I don't know, kind of a delightful surprise when I came here was just the kind of the unusually strong and rich heritage that this church has in regards to kids' ministry and Sunday school and that kind of thing. And... Uh, I think that for a church of this size, the, the effort that goes into the kids' ministry is um, almost like disproportionately large or, or unusually large, uh, which is absolutely wonderful. Uh, kids' ministry is so important. Uh, if I wanted to sink this church, the first thing I would do is cancel the kids' ministry. If I wanted to say, you know what, let's just call it quits in five, ten years— the thing I would do today is I would end kids ministry. Um, no kids ministry, no future. I mean, that's—I didn't like get that off a Hallmark card. I legitimately believe that uh, if there is no kids ministry, then then really your your church just—it's uh, yeah—you're pretty much closing closing the doors in a few years. And um, so it is just—I just—I am amazed and so incredibly thankful uh, for the kids ministry and, and and what is going on here. Uh, in your bulletin, there is an insert, and we intentionally did it as an insert. And it lists Sunday school teachers, and it lists the people who help out with Wednesday night. Um, and the reason that it says insert, so you can hang on to it kind of like a prayer card. Uh, that's something that you can just stick in your Bible or your journal or, or tack up on your fridge somewhere, and um, either in your devotions or just put it on the fridge And as you're going for a gallon of milk or whatever. You can see those names. You, you can think of those people. You can pray for those people, uh, you can just express some, some thanks and, and gratitude uh, for those people because that is uh, pretty huge and pretty significant. So um, my huge thanks to, to those of you who have served. I know some of you are not serving now, but you served from, like, the 50s to the 90s or some crazy thing like that. Um, and so I, I know that this church just has a rich heritage of, of serving like that. Uh, for the people, though, who uh, served in this last year, either Sunday school— or in Wednesday night as teachers um, And for the people who are going to be Serving this upcoming year I've been trying to figure out all week how to do this I, I, Here's what I think we're going to try though If you serve last year, if you're going to serve This upcoming year, would you please Stand up, and then stay standing Don't do kind of like the, yep, here I am And sit back down, like actually like Lock your knees, stand up And, because we're going to pray for you Yes, I know, it's so awkward Thank you so much Um Alright, now, the rest of you, kind of look around, find the one closest to you, okay, they're the shy bashful ones standing up hating this moment. The rest of you, what we're going to do is I'm going to ask you to stand up and we're just going to pray for them out loud all at once, okay? We used to call this Thai style prayer, I think it's time that we just own it and call it the Henderson MB style. Um, it's just, it's time to make that transition, folks. So, look around, find the one that's closest to you, Um Okay. Now everyone else stand up, turn and face kind of the the, 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 the one person that you had picked out, um, and then everyone gets to pray together out loud at once. And when the when the volume kind of dies down, then I'll close this off in a prayer. I'll just mute my own mic so you don't have to worry about it back there. Um, so yep, let turn and pray. So and you can name them by name. It's it's I know I love it. It's great. Uh, pray for the person closest to you. Heavenly Father, thank you for all these men and women Who so intentionally uh, Find kids And love on them Lord, who so intentionally Give of their time God, we ask for your grace For your mercy, for your energy To be poured out upon them Lord, I pray that they would have just a love And an enthusiasm And a stamina That is just beyond what uh, it, It should be allowed Lord and I, I pray just that, uh, that they would see and that they would love as you see and as you love. God, thank you so much for the rich heritage of kids' ministry and of Christian education in this church. Lord, we ask that by your grace it would continue to grow and to flourish and expand. And that we would see um, kids who you love so desperately uh, that they would come to know your truth and have good, solid relationships with you. Lord, this is a way in which you have blessed this church richly, and we are just so incredibly thankful for that. And we ask for many more decades of that kind of service. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Ushers. Thanks, ladies. So, baby Levi joined our family. And uh, so today we're sitting in the back of the church today. Man, it's like a totally different church. Uh, you all got to try that sometime. Like, just just mess with people and sit somewhere else. Uh, see how many people introduce themselves to you and be like, Hi, are you new here? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's really fun. All right. We are in Ephesians. Today we are in chapter 5. We have just been walking through Ephesians, having a great time, loving it. Um, As I have said every time and will continue to say every time, uh, the lens through which we are looking uh, through Ephesians, there's kind of three different sections. So we have chapters 1, 2, and 3. Key word seated. What does it mean to be seated in Christ? And that deals a lot with our identity. You cannot progress to Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 until you are understanding your identity in Christ and what it means to be seated in Christ. Uh, Ephesians 4, 5, and the first parts of 6, key word is walk. What does it mean to walk in the world? Which is where we're at now. We're in chapter 5. And what we're seeing is that Paul is doing a lot of, look, here are sins that you shouldn't do. However, here's kind of the good things that you should do as an alternative. He doesn't just go through and say, Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. He always gives an alternative. He says don't do this instead You should do this and don't do this you should do this. And so there's a lot of Behavioral stuff right now in Ephesians 4 5 and 6 the last part of Ephesians 6 delves into spiritual warfare Key word there is stand. What does it mean to stand against the enemy? And um, At one point I thought we would be done with all of Ephesians by this weekend and obviously that didn't happen uh, but whatever, we're, we're having a good time. Um, today's passage, we're in, in Ephesians 5, uh, verses 1 through 6. Uh, it's been kind of interesting to do sermon prep on this, a little bit more conviction than I would have cared for. Um, but we'll, we'll get into that here in a little bit. Uh, if you have a Bible, you can read with me. Otherwise, I think we'll have some words on the screen. Um, I read out of the ESV English Standard Version. Uh, there's a lot in the, for the English language, we have a lot of different translations, which is a gift to us. Lots of other good translations, so if it reads a little bit different than yours, um, that's, yeah, it's, just, it's a different translation. Uh, chapter 5, verse 1. I'm going to do six verses here. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is idolatry, has no inheritance in the kingdom of of Christ and God, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Amen. <clears throat> it's, um, the, you know, the, the passage, in some ways it would be great if I just preached for like four hours and then we could take all of this kind of in one big picture. I'm not going to do that. Just be calm. Um, but if you notice, today's section opened up with Therefore meaning that is building on the previous verses. And also verse 7, which I did not read today. I mean, it, we read right up to the word therefore. I, you know, where do you look for a break in all this? But it starts off with therefore again, meaning that those verses are going to be built upon these verses. And so I mean, we're, we're kind of forced to take it in bite-sized pieces, but it's just these words remind us that this is a continual, ongoing, kind of flowing thought. Uh, if we address that first, therefore, uh, if we read just the, the verse before and after, well, what we read is this. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as God loved us and gave himself up, up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so that, therefore, we see this connection between, really, I believe, forgiveness and our attitude in, in life. Uh, he uses the analogy of the father-children um, thing. Kids often want to be like their dads. Uh, when a father-child relationship is strong, you will see kids who want to spend time with their dad and they want to they do what dad does. And in this storyline, one of the things that Dad is known for is forgiveness. I had a, a friend of mine once say something that was, I, it, it, was it, it was kind of a very provocative concept. Um, I've never been able to actually confirm it it is true simply because it's in reference to all the other religions of the world, and so that's kind of a hard thing to track down. Uh, but from what I've seen so far, I, I think she may have actually been onto something. And here, here's the concept, and that is that forgiveness is unique to the Christian religion. That no other religion emphasizes forgiveness like Christianity. And the comment that she made is is something along the lines that actually forgiveness is the thing that sets Christianity apart from all other religions. That's a pretty big thought. I mean, obviously, Jesus also sets us apart. But conceptually, it is forgiveness that sets Christianity apart from all other religions. Several other religions have you, they have you earn your salvation. Or there, there is some, you know, your good actions will be weighed against your bad actions or against your consciousness. Uh, in many of the Eastern religions, you see that humans do not have a need for forgiveness... Because there's no personal God as the ultimate authority who we must be reconciled to. It's you, There's just, I mean, it varies a little bit with each, each Eastern religion. Uh, many religions will talk about liberation or freedom or purity. But I'm not really aware of other religions that emphasize forgiveness as the pathway to forgiveness, liberation, and purity. And one of kind of the spin-offs then also is that Christianity places a lot of value on forgiving others. Uh, once again, I'm not aware uh, of other religions that have kind of quite the same emphasis on that. And, you know, even within Christian circles, uh, especially as a denomination that has such a rich heritage as it with a strong peace position, I mean, we argue police and military and personal defense, but you'll notice that no one argues vengeance. No one argues it. No one argues revenge. Because we all understand that after the fact, the best course of action that we are called to is forgiveness. Our Heavenly Father is a father forgives. He is one who has forgiven us, and so he expects that we will mimic his behavior and forgive others. And then so Paul follows it up with this sentence. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Then, then Paul transitions pretty... It's, it's kind of like he just kind of reached over and jerked the steering wheel <laughs> off in, in the other direction. Um, then Paul delves into this. He follows it up with this phrase. But sexual immorality, all impurity or covetousness, must not even be named among you as is proper in the saints. So whatever these three sins are, Paul is so strong about them that he says, you know what, these three, like it just, it shouldn't even be whispered that these take place amongst your people. The first one that he starts with is sexual immorality. Uh, some of your uh, translations will use the word fornication, which is kind of a fun F word. We don't use much anymore. I kind of think we should bring it back. Um, but so some of your, your translations will read that. Uh, the Greek word is actually pornea, uh, which is where we get the words like porn or pornography. Um, yeah, I have a really great Bible software program, and so sometimes I will do searches in that. And so I had done some research on that word In that. Sometimes I will also research these words just on Google to see... What Google has to say, I had literally pulled up the browser and was about to type pornea and then I was like, nope, don't think I'm going to be doing that one. Um, Greek or no Greek, this is just not going to go well. Uh, so I have no idea what Google has to say about it, um, and neither should you. But, but sexual immorality or fornication, which some of your Bibles will—fun Bible terms— Uh, Which some of your Bibles will say basically means any sexual activity outside of marriage I mean God's plan is marriage and so any sexual conduct outside of that is considered immorality or or fornication and Scripture for whatever reason when God inspired it Didn't feel that it was good enough to say anything outside of marriage Um, They just felt the need to Put in some pretty detailed lists on these are the things you're not supposed to do. Uh, Leviticus 18 is a fascinating warning. The Israelites are about to to move into the promised land, and God says you're going to drive out the people before you, and you're not to engage in some of the sins and the behaviors that they engaged in. And here's some of the stuff that they've done, and they've list and they've done all of these. And then and and. And so you will see, you know, do not have sexual relations with. And then there's a pretty colorful list um, of a lot of relatives, actually. Um, uh, Mothers, mother-in-laws, stepmothers, sisters, sisters sisters-in-laws, stepsisters, daughters, daughter-in-laws, stepdaughters, um, aunts, mother and daughter combos, lady down the street, homosexual relations, all animals. All of that gets explicitly outlined as saying, you don't do these. And if you actually look at the rest of Scripture, uh, sexual immorality or fornication in other parts of Scripture also get links to seducing virgins, rape, um, sodomy, bestiality, incest, prostitution, homosexual acts. Sodomy was kind of an interesting word to look up as well, too. That actually has been used in some laws in the United States. Uh, Different states, though, had a slightly different definition. But what it's linked to in Scripture is actually the town of Sodom. And and the event that was so kind of horrific is that you had two angels take on the form of men. They entered the town. They were going to stay there as guests. But the men of the town circled up the house and basically tried to kick down the door so that they could gang-rake these two guys. And then God says no, and he burns the whole place down. And so in Scripture, that's kind of the most direct link with that. But as horrible as this list is, and and you're probably saying, well, did he really need to read all those? Um, I did because of this. I bet you a $100 bill I can find all those on the Internet. All that stuff that I named, as weird and as wonky and as eyebrow-moving as that was, Bet you I can find it. Within marriage, you have incredible freedom. Within marriage. God created marriage. God created sex. um, And within that, there's not much for rules. It's kind of do whatever you want, have a good time, so long as both people are okay with it. I mean, on behalf of your neighbors, like maybe close the curtains or turn off the dome light on your car or whatever your thing is. But... But within marriage, it's a lot of freedom. Outside of marriage, the answer is no. Just no. If you have to ask a question, the answer is no. No. I, you know, if this was some kind of high school youth group rally, we'd probably spend a lot of time talking about, you know, staying within the healthy dating guidelines, that kind of thing. With this audience, generally speaking, your two options are complete freedom or no. That's it. That, that's what you get. Um, I have a friend who, uh, a friend and a pastor who lives in Vancouver. A few years ago, the the homosexual community had its annual pride parade. Their route literally took him all the way around his house, kind of on a multi route, uh, a multi mile route. And the theme that year was loud and proud. And they were saying, you know what? Anyone, anywhere. Any way we want it. And if you don't like it, you can... And this is words I don't ever get to say in church. Or home, wherever. Some of you are probably familiar with uh, with the Ashley Madison uh, scandal that's been going on in the news lately. Uh, if you are unfamiliar with it, Ashley Madison is a website. Um, it is a Canadian-based website, but they have... ...service or pages in multiple different countries. And uh, Ashley Madison is a website that is specifically set up and geared towards helping facilitate affairs. The slogan on the front page is, life is short, have an affair. In fact, the guy who started this website actually has two other websites. um, Different names, exact same concept. Helping facilitate affairs. Uh, A little, I don't know how long ago it's been now, a month or two, a couple weeks. Hackers hacked into their servers and stole all of their client information. And said, if you don't shut down the website, we're going to release this info. They didn't. They kept the website up. So the hackers released, I think it was 9.7 gigs of data. Estimated 32 million users had their name. Login name, address, uh, partial credit card information, all of it went out on the web. It was was published. It was accessible. One report I saw said that every single zip code in the United States was represented except for three. Two of them are in hyper-remote Alaska where they don't even get Internet, and I think the third is in New Mexico, and I don't think they get Internet there either. um, And now the, the owners of the website are offering a half a million dollar reward for anyone who can help track down the hackers. This last week, I was chatting with a friend of mine. He's a pastor in Canada. He said that the response that he has seen for a lot of secular Canadians, okay, not within the Christian community, but for secular Canadians, the response that he has seen a lot is, back off. This is a good website, This is a good service. If people are unhappy in their marriage, they should be allowed an avenue out. This is a good service that should be provided. Our nation, North America and most of the world, loves its, for lack of a better term, sexual freedom. This is something that we are obsessed about, that we fight about. Um, and that, yeah, our country just really loves its kind of quote-unquote sexual freedom and the ability to say whoever, whenever, however, and leave us alone. But Scripture is saying within the Christian community, none of it. This, this just, it can't even be named amongst your people. The next word that Paul uses is impurity. Uh, this one is a little bit more generic. There wasn't kind of as much on this. Uh, some translations will use the word uncleanness. Um, oftentimes you find uh, the word sexual immorality and purity, impurity mentioned together in Scripture. Uh, it, it seems to be more of a generic term for, for sin, um, but it's it's it conveys this concept. And, and Scripture is full of this imagery that somehow sin is something that... That that tarnishes us it's something that that dirties us. It's something that that makes us unclean It it makes you unsightful before god. It's it's unpleasant for others to be around Um, And I know that when it comes to sin, we kind of have the one-time big salvation. Jesus got all my sins moment But I just on a on a day-to-day basis We also just need to be saying lord. What do I need to repent of today? How have I grieved you today? Um, Many of you are farmers, right? So you go outside, you work, your hands are filthy dirty. You don't just come in and sit down at the dinner table and say, I'm ready to eat. I mean, your family would be like, you're filthy, go wash your hands. Like when you come back in that house, one of the first things you do, hopefully, or at least you should start, is that you stop by and you wash your hands, and you wash off the grime and the grease and just the garbage. Sin is like that. Yes, we're saved. I get that. That's wonderful. That's good. But on a regular basis, we just need to stop at the sink and just say, Lord, I am sorry, and I don't want to do that anymore. And I, I turn from that. And we just we just kind of wash the grime off so that we're not so pungent <laughs> to those around us. The third one that uh, that Paul uses is covetousness. All these fun words we don't use anymore Uh, Greed perhaps is is another more familiar term Um, And what he says about this is um, Actually he says it later on in verse 5 He he mentions covetousness or he mentions greed again But he he actually calls it a a form of idolatry Now this is a powerful statement Um When it actually, let me back up here a little bit. The I got my wife's permission to talk about this, but uh, you know, my wife and I will often have kind of like little micro arguments about sort of like our preferred form of covetousness. Um, For me, I would rather have toys. Uh, My preferred method of covetousness is is to be like, "I let's get some toys. I love toys," and I'm not talking like Transformers. Like I'm talking big man toys. you know, her preferred form of covetousness is cash in the bank. But you know what? Depending on the heart, both of them are a sin. Because depending on the part, depending on the heart, we can actually be each of us looking at both of those things as something we rely on, something that, that, that gives us comfort, something that gives us security, and we're not looking to God. We're looking to stuff—just different kinds of stuff but we're still looking to God, and so there's the potential that both of those are a form of idolatry. Now, I don't know the last time you read the Old Testament, but idolatry is kind of a big thing that God's not really a fan of. Scripture calls God a jealous God, meaning He likes to be the number one priority in your life. I mean, there's just no other way to say it. He likes to be the number one priority in your life. Um... And it's and, and and scripture even even kind of makes similarities in comparison. I think to help us understand it between idolatry and and between having an affair or between cheating. I mean, imagine coming home and telling your spouse that you've been having an affair, right? I know I would hear about it because I'd probably just. You know, guys, I'd probably just get, like, your body parts and start arriving in the mail, you know? For God, it's the same thing, only more so. That is idolatry to God. You have had an affair with another God. And it's very personal, and it is very hurtful. And when you look at the whole Jesus died on the cross for our sins thing, he kind of has a right to get offended by it. So Paul makes this profoundly strong statement linking greed and covetousness to idolatry. The other thing, too, I would say is that greed is not just something that the wealthy uh, commit, okay? I have traveled. I have been in some pretty poor parts of the world. I assure you that poor people can be greedy just as much as rich people. And rich people can be just as generous as poor people. Whether or not you're greedy or generous really has nothing to do with the numbers in your bank account, it has to do with your heart. And those of you that have children know that that's just something we're born into. I don't, I don't need to say anything more about that, but I assure you, my children are greedy. Paul continues on. Uh, verse four: Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Um, filthiness uh, in the ESV—you know—another way that that this would uh, get translated is swearing. Okay, uh, bad language. This is kind of an interesting thing when, when you think about it. The scripture says, you know, basically no filthiness, no swearing, right? But we don't get a list of words. Like, there's no. Okay, don't do this, and then here the, are hear the words or the phrases you're not allowed to say. So how do we determine, like, what that is? And you'll—and—but all of us know. Like, we know the words, right? Like, you're probably thinking, um, don't, but, i do but—I mean, you sort of are, but—okay, oh, I don't know how to navigate that. But whatever, you know? You know what the bad words are. And I think—I think this is one of those things where we really have to look to our conscience, and it's one of those things— where culture informs us what the bad words are. Um, we, uh, Canadian Mennonite University has a fantastic one-year program. It's a discipleship program. They do traveling across North America. Then they do traveling international, and it's uh, all focused around discipleship. Okay? Uh, neat deals for people just coming out of high school, getting ready to go into college. Uh, lots of good kind of mentoring and, and discipleship that, that goes on. They go all over the world, so when it first started, they called it School of Discipleship. Makes a lot of sense. That' what it is, School of Discipleship. And they just they went with that, and you know you get T-shirts and baseball caps and pens and whatnot, and they say School of Discipleship, and sometimes they'll have just the acronym, right? Just SOD, SOD, School of Discipleship. And they thought nothing of it until they landed. At the London airport. And apparently, for our British brothers and sisters, sod is a pretty awful word. In fact, to my English listeners, I apologize for swearing from the pulpit. Because for a British audience, that's what I just did. They changed their name to out of town. Because that's, it, that's just a pretty bad word. Over on the across the pond. We had a girl from Quebec uh, share her testimony. She was sharing it. Everything was going great. Uh, at one point in her testimony, you know, she, she said the S word, you know. Didn't even miss a beat, kept right on going, you know. The rest of us were like, Ugh. just not a big deal coming out of her culture. M- my point is not that swearing is okay. Uh, Paul is very clear that swearing is not Okay. My point is, though, that that to understand this, you really need to listen to your conscience on this, and you need to be very aware of others on this. Uh, There's a couple different places where Paul talks about not wanting his actions, his behavior, to be a stumbling block for others. Um, And I think this is one of those things where we need to apply these same rules. We watch what we say, one, just for our own conscience, but two, we really have to watch what we say for the sake of those around us, we have to be very aware of that. That it would not be uh, a, a stumbling block to others. And like I said, I mean, we we know what the words are. I have had non-Christian people engage in colorful conversation. You know what I mean? Turn around, see our kids, and they're like, "Oh, sorry." You know, they they apologize for saying those words in front of our children. They didn't recognize. Like people just know, you know. Um. Paul mentions also foolish talk. I I couldn't find a whole lot on this one. I just unfruitful, flippant, foolish talk. Uh, Then he mentions crude joking. And this was, I didn't even know this was in scripture. Uh, Crude joking. The, The literal translation is an easy turn of speech. But the concept on this one is that guy who is hilarious but completely inappropriate. And maybe you can think of some names on this. Uh, there are comedians who have built their entire careers on this. But crude joking is that person who has a really quick wit, who can you know just has a great comeback, who is very f- funny, but yet just totally out of line. And it's hard because, like, it's funny. Like, it's just hard to deny that it's just it's funny. But at the same time, you know that. Uh, That's, I don't think we should be laughing about that. Like that's just, that's, you crossed the line, that's inappropriate, people shouldn't be joking about that. And so for us, I mean, I don't, maybe you're that person, stop. Um, Or maybe you just know that person, and it requires some discipline, but we have to say, you know what, I'm just, I get that it's funny, but I crossed the line, and so I just need to to not laugh, not honor it, not, not recognize it. The response to this then, Paul says this, there should be no filthiness, no foolish talk, no crude joking, which are out of place, but instead there should be thanksgiving. You know, Corey Ten Boom was a, uh, a Dutch Christian, um, wrote a, a book, became kind of a famous uh, public speaker. Her, her father, her sister uh, hid Jews during the, uh, the Holocaust in their building, Uh, They were eventually arrested, and they were sent to concentration camps. Her sister died. I believe her father died as well, too. Uh, Corey survived. I think she was released on a mistake and went on to to write some books and and be a public speaker and that kind of thing. I was reading her autobiography, and it was fascinating. So they've they've just been brought into this concentration camp. Horrific conditions. Their beds are basically just like these wooden shelves, and they would just, you know, like about— Ladies would just have to shove into this space. Uh, they were like biting fleas or something like that. Like it's just, I mean, it's a concentration camp. It's just horrible conditions. But somehow they had managed to smuggle in a few things. And her sister comes up to Corey Tenboom because they're, they're kind of wrestling with it. And her sister goes, You know what? I've, I, I found out what our response could be. I found out what our response should be, and that is thankfulness. I forget which verse it was, I couldn't find it, but she had found some verse in Scripture that talked about being thankful in all things or having an attitude of thankfulness. And so she said, you know what? My attitude in this concentration camp, the most appropriate response is... thankfulness. Uh, In verse... um, Paul mentions these three sins Sexual, immorality, impurity, covetousness Uh, Then he shifts gear in verse 4 And he talks about three sins Associated with speech, right? filthiness, crude joking, that kind of thing But then in 5 he goes back And he renames those other three sins He renames Sexual, immorality, impurity Covetousness, or an idolatry And then he has this phrase That I have not really enjoyed this week And I've been wrestling with a lot And he says, um, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And what does that mean? That's kind of a big statement. And what exactly are we talking about here? Uh, For me, uh, kind of initially early on, I just had a lot of questions kingdom of god is often used in reference to uh to like heaven to the afterlife that kind of thing however i also believe that there is a a sense that part of the kingdom of god is here on earth and it's expanding and it's growing and that's what we're a part of and what we're contributing to and so there's kind of the here and now kingdom but then there's the then and there kingdom and what are we talking about and inheritance what do we mean by inheritance i mean sometimes scripture talks about inheritance and it kind of has this Connotation of our salvation like our inheritance is getting to go to heaven but at the same time scripture talks about rewards and 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 we will get rewards then for things done in the body here and now and it's you know All of us have been given certain gifts and opportunities and and the extent to which we are a steward of those determines our reward in heaven then and there and so I mean, we, I mean, is this, are we talking about rewards here or there? Are we talking, is salvation in question? What are we dealing with here? Um, and also, just for me, I, I don't believe that a person can lose their salvation. I believe that once you've been saved, that that's, once saved, always saved. That's, that's where I stand on that. And anyways, and so how does all this just, what do we make of this? Uh, Peter O'Brien in his commentary on Ephesians had an interesting perspective, a- and he zoned in on, on how Paul writes "kingdom of Christ and God." And according to O'Brien, there is this tendency within Paul's writings to talk about kingdom of Christ as a reference to the here and now, and he gave verses to back that up. But there is also a tendency within Paul's writings to refer to the kingdom of God as the future eternal kingdom. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians 15-24, we read that Jesus will deliver the kingdom to God. Jesus will deliver the kingdom to God. So at that point, you see kind of this merging between the two kingdoms. And so Peter O'Brien, his understanding of this is that when Paul is saying the kingdom of Christ and God, he is referencing both the here and now and the then and there. When he says no inheritance, whatever inheritance is, he's saying that that is something for for here on earth, for, God, for Christ's kingdom here on earth, and also God's kingdom eternally. And then so, so what does inheritance deal with? And my sense is that what he's talking about is he's He's talking there's no involvement. There's no participation. They're just simply not a part of it. I don't believe that a one-time sin causes us to lose our salvation. I think what we see here is that, that people who habitually commit these sins and refuse to turn away from them have actually never really surrendered their life to Christ. They've never actually said, Jesus Christ is Lord of my life and Lord of every part of my life. Um, for those who instead have given themselves over to immorality, impurity, and greed, they are excluded from the kingdom of God. Um, maybe there's more to that. I've not really enjoyed researching this verse, nor have I looked forward to sharing it with you. Uh, but it's in Scripture, so we got to deal with it. Um, yeah. He, he carries on then. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Empty words. Empty words are anything void of God's truth. Anything not resting on the foundation of Scripture. 2 Timothy 4.3 reads, For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves... Teachers to suit their own desires. And they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to many myths. Friends, our world already is full of deception and deceivers, some of them intentional, not, some of them not, I don't know, who knows. Plenty of deception in our world. This is why you have got to know your Bible, and this is why you have got to know it for yourself. There's a lot of value that comes from listening to preachers, whether here or like on your podcast or that kind of thing. There's lots of good preachers out there. But at some point in your own personal spiritual disciplines, you have got to be engaging in just you and Scripture. It is not enough to always be listening to the middleman. And a preacher is a middleman. I look at Scriptures, I tell you what I think they mean. You have got to be engaging in just you and Scripture. Because there are times where preachers will unintentionally get it wrong, there are times where preachers will, may intentionally get it wrong. Do not rely upon the middleman for all of your information in regards to what is truth. You have got to know Scripture for yourself, and that means you have got to be engaging just you and Scripture with, with no middleman on, on a regular basis. The Wrath of God, uh, in my life journal reading right now, we're reading through Revelation. If you take that stuff literally, there's some rough times coming. Uh, it's kind of some peculiar analogy, we've got horses and angels and, and things getting thrown on the earth and that kind of deal. But I read one the other day where one horse or one whatever showed up and a quarter of the earth's population dies. Now what is that? When is that? I don't know. But if you're going to take it literally, which I do, means something's coming down the chute. Where because of this one thing, at this, you know, we'll see a quarter of the earth's population die. That's the wrath of God is coming. We've kind of lost that today in, in our evangelical churches, but it's I, I think it's happening. This section ends with sons of disobedience. Uh, this is the second time that Paul uses the child father analogy. And Paul does a very bold thing And he basically takes everyone in the earth And he splits them into two categories and he says children of God Sons of disobedience It's a phrase he's used other times He used it earlier in Ephesians He uses it over in Colossians And it's just basically a way of saying Those who have said yes to Jesus And those who have refused Jesus He just, he just kind of splits everyone up Into, into two groups The verses today are pretty kind of hard, a little bit awkward, uncomfortable, lots of sins, difficult phrases. But in many ways, they're helpful. To understand our own sin is incredibly beneficial in understanding the grace of God. And I think the more we understand our sin and our, and, and our condition without Christ, the more we are able to extend gratitude for Christ. Heaven, salvation, eternity with God, these are free things. They are so good, they cannot be earned. And so the only way for you to get them was for God to create a method where you get them free. The problem, of course, being that all of us are born into sins. It's not very popular, but, I mean, we were all our were are wicked sinners. That's just kind of part of our profile. Church is not like a gathering of the holy. This is like rehab for sinners. All right, this is this is group therapy, okay, uh, for sinners. But all this all of us have sinned in our past, and that's the thing that separates us from God. The thing, though, the beacon of light for us is Jesus Christ, salvation, the free gift that He extends to us. But of course, that is dependent upon our willingness to say yes to His offer. And to make a personal commitment to Him, but Jesus is—it's an easy thing to give Jesus our sins, but Jesus doesn't want just our sins. He wants our whole life. He wants full commitment. Jesus wants to be able to be Lord of your life in every area of your life. He just doesn't want your trash. He wants to be the most important thing in your life. Okay, and and it's a wonderful, remarkable thing. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. Um, Then I will pray. I respond however you want during the music. Um, If you need to make commitments first time, if you need to make recommitments, um, if you just need to be thankful because God saved you from a lot of horrible stuff. Um, So many times I have watched something in the news and thought, you know, but for the grace of God, there go I. I mean, there is so much... Um, For one little change in my life And that could have been my story um, Incredible thankfulness uh, Yeah, just for all of that So um, as they sing, you can sing along You can just have them sing over you uh, Feel free to respond however you need Heavenly Father, thank you for your word Thank you for scripture uh, Even the parts that are a little bit uncomfortable and awkward Lord, our desire is to know your truth, to understand uh, your perspective. (coughs) And Lord, I pray that uh, that that would happen here today. Thank you so much for your grace. Thank you that we need not live a life of sexual immorality or of crude joking or or of all these other things, but that we can just have a life of, of freedom within you, Lord. So we love you and we worship you. Amen. Thank you.